it's like the single most important thing to do in your life is to be seeking those moments where you feel like an imposter and like I don't know any opportunity that comes your way that you feel like oh that's a bit scary but it might be fun yeah just do it absolutely like 100 percent In order to speak about getting out of your comfort zone, I think we have to try and define comfort zone. Can you do that? I guess it means different things to different people. But for me, my comfort zone is pretty much just in my house, not interacting with people and just being around people that I'm completely secure, safe, like comfortable um, with and not really... Uh, differing from that um it's kind of like being in a routine that as you said is very comfortable and doesn't have too many challenges or too much variety so that it doesn't kind of it's not a shock to the system and you can deal with everything that's kind of in your vicinity yeah I also think my definition of it would have been different pre-pandemic compared to post-pandemic before I feel like I was comfortable doing a lot more things than you know, after that experience of being in the house for months and months. Um, It definitely made me a lot more nervous of doing things and probably, yeah, I was definitely more scared of things, I guess. Um, So, yeah. That's a really important point and I think we could probably divide the conversation up into two parts, kind of, as you said, pre and post pandemic because... I can speak for myself and probably most people that there was definite effects of COVID, not the just the obvious effects, but kind of coming back out into out of lockdowns and, and into society. I think one of the things for me was just the confidence again to speak with people, whether that be going to a bar or a restaurant and having to ask another table, oh, can I just borrow your seat? And yeah. I suddenly found that a bit difficult, interrupting a flow of conversation and and kind of having all eyes on me, mm-hmm. um, which sounds very minuscule, but I think on the wider aspect, it was kind of, yeah, kind of feeling, getting nervous again, going into a room where you don't know people, despite having gone to all these places abroad and being comfortable. So yeah. I think, and you can go into your, kind of what your thoughts are as well, but I think definitely that period of COVID, whilst it may may have seemed that there have been other, other effects, um, the more obvious ones like, obviously maybe no social contact or just struggling to find a routine or motivation to do things there's also that other aspect of kind of coming back to normality and finding remembering kind of who you were and that confidence from before so how and how did that how did covid and the lockdowns have an effect on on that from what you just mentioned um for me it's definitely interacting with people who i'm not used to and i think it felt like everything went back to normal quite quickly and there wasn't really like too much of an adjustment period it was just like okay things are normal now we're expected to act normal be how we were before but I didn't feel that way I felt like I'd kind of (laughs) in some way forgotten how to interact with people that I'm not necessarily comfortable with like there was a bit more of a like I don't know how are people going to react to me if I do this or like how you know like you said 
just interrupting people. It's a completely normal thing to do to ask for a chair, but it's like, oh, I don't know. I haven't done this for a while. <laughs> it's like <laughs> kind of things were more scary. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel like pre-pandemic, that wasn't an issue for me. I would just go up to anyone, talk about anything, just... I was comfortable in myself that I knew how to interact with people. But it was a very, very long period of just... For me, I was living in a house with eight people um, in a quite small house. So, like, I was interacting with different people, but it was the same people all the time. And even that was very... It got a bit stifling in the end because, you know, there's obviously going to be tensions in, in a house where you live um, with the same people day in day out you don't leave and it's just it becomes kind of like a little cult <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound too good <laughs> i mean it what wasn't planning? <laughs> i don't know it was just it was just strange coming out of it because i felt like i had this image of myself as a very confident person able to kind of just put myself into any situation and i came out of the pandemic definitely just feeling like I don't know how to interact and and I had to learn it again kind of. Yeah, and I like that aspect of learning it again because I think it's almost like practice makes perfect and you do forget that in terms of socially in terms of speaking and whatever that might be or eye contact or facial expressions how you interact with someone and you forget that if you don't do it for a while you almost forget how it's done. Yeah. So particularly in the first year of uni I think I struggled um, I was kind of anxious about being a, a little older any, anyway. Just found myself struggling with maybe just doing small talk or having conversation. Or I, I remember always feeling awkward and particularly coming out of lockdown, just always felt that pressure of awkwardness. And it probably yeah. wasn't just me. Same. But now I, I feel that in most scenarios now, particularly in university or work or just in public, I don't feel that awkwardness. And I, and I feel like people have, some people have gone past that as well. Mm. So we're kind of really getting back to to normality in that sense but it is just literally practicing every day yeah. and that's why I, I do still worry about sometimes when people work from home and have that kind of I know that a lot of people seem to enjoy that and even a couple of days a week but when you have that prolonged period of of no person-to-person interaction I'm sure that it still has quite negative effects on your social life and your ability to communicate definitely yeah, that's why I don't think in the future I would hope if it'd be nice if it was hybrid, but I don't, I think that it's necessary to to see people every day and to interact because I think COVID just highlighted that it doesn't it is something that you have to practice. It's not something that that just stays with you. Like the ability to just have confidence in yourself to go into a room of people and and speak. You know, like it's something that you have to keep practicing and doing every day and then it's it becomes something that's comfortable yeah there, there were a, just to kind of be on the positive aspect of of lockdowns there were quite a few aspects that I really enjoyed mm. and I know it was obviously a horrendous time for, for for a lot of reasons but one of the things that was quite nice and I'm sure again people can maybe replicate replicate empathize no people can understand is that the, there are a lot of worries day to day that we're gone. So instead of waking up and thinking, oh, I've got this interview that I need to do or I need to get the train somewhere, it was kind of a 
and it might have been just for me because there are a lot of people that are actually working and doing important jobs but at the time I was just doing a bit of university or part-time work and you could mm-hmm. wake up and you could have not much stress and you could kind of choose your routine and whilst that was yeah. horrible at times it was a very easy and comfortable life so we were talking earlier about comfort zone that was the one of the most comfortable zones you could be in mm-hmm. there was no pressure to leave the house yeah I guess for people who maybe are a bit introverted or like I don't know that's more natural for them it probably felt easier and was I don't know it was a bit of a comfort zone but I think that got old very quickly for me did you not find many positives within within that then yeah I feel like I I got a lot closer to my family some of them and um built strong connections with that but I think I don't know my mental health just like suffered a lot from it how and what were the ways that you kind of immersed yourself back into society what kind of methods did you use because you seem I know we've met over the last few months but you seem very confident again yeah able to talk to people very easily so what were some of the ways that you kind of implemented to to make that happen I just forced myself to (laughs) get involved with anything and everything that I could, I guess. Um, I think in the beginning I stuck mostly to socialising with my friends and being comfortable doing that Um, because I hadn't really seen them much. So in the beginning it was just like being with my friends and then that was really fun and being able to like hug and just be be with be with them was amazing but then with uni I guess I just um I joined societies which is not something that I'd done before (laughs) (laughs) I tried just speaking to people in lectures and um signed up to everything that came through my emails and just just saying yes to everything yeah basically um I would just be writing applications all the time to just like (laughs) do this I mean the CEO program that that was part of that I was I think feeling so indoors for for like being being indoors for that long and not having any new experiences just made me want to just go and just push myself again and like yeah challenge myself yeah and so on those experiences can you think of a particular time where you nearly didn't go but still went and was so glad that you went, whether it was a society or or a group thing where you met other people and you're so glad you went, but you were close to maybe maybe the anxieties or the, the panic was setting in and you thought, I don't need to do this, I can't be bothered to go, but then you went and then it it definitely, you were glad that you did it. Yeah. I guess with with the societies, um, I joined the Amnesty International Society and I was going on my own and usually I try and get someone to come with me but I was like okay I'm just gonna do it on my own and then I ended up meeting some really nice people and I felt really proud of myself afterwards because I was so anxious before I don't know why it was just it's just meeting new people is scary sometimes like I think that was scary even before but um yeah I definitely was intimidated by the thought of that but I think with me it's more the thought of doing it gives me quite intense anxiety and then once I'm in the situation I'm just like okay this is natural I just know how to I know how to interact with people I know how to (laughs) have a conversation like it's not 
that big. It's just my brain makes me feel like it's going to be terrible. Things are going to go wrong. All of those catastrophizing thoughts. But once I'm there, I'm like comfortable. And then afterwards, you just feel more confident because you're like, okay, I did that anyway, even though I was anxious. Yeah, yeah. definitely. There's two things on that. I love the idea of cat- catastrophizing <laughs> thoughts yeah. because they just... If you think about them, if you step aside, they're just so funny. Like one one thought then leads to another, then another, and then when you take yourself out of it, you think, how can how can my thought process get to that? There's yeah. no way that was going to happen. I know. And that that's the worst case scenario, and it's not even that bad. <laughs> I know, and it never even happens anyway. No. <laughs> and then the the other thing I really like about that is, let's say you go into somewhere new, like a society, like the mature student event that we went to, and you mm. walk in, and I think the first thing that happens is really important. Mm-hmm. The first thing that happens, so that's either someone holding a door open for you or not, uh, someone at the front with a register, how they greet you, the mm-hmm. first person that you walk up to, if it's a society or, or a group meeting and start speaking to them, all of those factors, that first thing that can happen can really set the tone. And yeah. unfortunately, sometimes if you feel like you haven't been greeted very well or if you can't find the room or if there's an opportunity for you to quickly dart out, those things can have a negative impact. But that's why the importance of that kind of having quite an inclusive and welcoming environment upon arrival is quite key, I think. Definitely. It's also quite hard to control, though. <laughs> like, you can't... You don't know how other people are going to react or, like, if they're feeling anxious, they might not greet in a certain way or, like, you know. But luckily, I think, for that event with the mature students, it was really nice and everyone was really friendly. So that was a really positive experience. And do you think it's worth considering sometimes when you're going into these things how other people might be feeling and how other people, seeing as you're quite a confident person, how other people might be feeling and might be feeling worse? So that kind of almost kind of acts as a boost for you to think, right, they might be feeling less confident. Um, It's up to even, it's up to me to kind of make that first move. And the reason I say that is because you were one of the kind of louder i'm joking (laughs) (laughs) one of the kind of like people that were more uh talking to people trying to get people involved so conscious of the fact that there's some quiet people there definitely and i think even if i can't think of anything to say i just (laughs) (laughs) but that works it's a talking point yeah (laughs) well because yeah i think i notice straight away when someone's uncomfortable and then even though it makes me a bit uncomfortable my immediate response is just to talk even if it's nothing of any use to anybody, it's just talking. And that usually helps people to just start <laughs> being like, okay, this girl's going to talk. So it's, <laughs> I can just, you know, it's fine. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to try it more. And I don't know what you think of this is to try and like break the social norms a bit more. Mm. I don't think I do that enough. So in that scenario, you know, it's very, we have, I don't, I think this is particularly in, in like British culture as well. We have very, formal ways of meeting each other in those scenarios it's always like well what do you do i do this Mm. what do you do and then there's someone that's quiet and you go what about you (laughs) yeah and you're only allowed like one or two lines realistically and then you have to ask someone another question yeah and i think yeah i quite like people that maybe break those social norms and maybe end up telling a story or asking a completely different question yeah which i try and do i ask something really random Mm. because rather than saying what do you do you say what like what's the what's your favorite thing about your your course and and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they have to actually use their brains and can't have a um kind of a stock response yeah um how do you feel about that do you try and mix things up a little as well yeah i think it was actually my brother was telling me that he was in a room with one other person and 
he was like, it's so awkward, but I don't want to just ask, like, what's your name? What do you do? Because <laughs> that just never, you know, never brings up a good conversation. Well, it does sometimes, but yeah, so he said that he just <laughs> asked, so what are your hopes and dreams for the future? <laughs> and he'd never <laughs> met this person before. And he was like, they ended up having like a great conversation and really connecting. And I was like, that is super weird. But also, if somebody asked me that, I'd be like, I don't know, you'd remember it, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. And I think I would probably answer, honestly. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to do that. And I think I do it sometimes. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really know how. <laughs> I just say what just the first thing that pops into my head. <laughs> no, it works. I think that was another key point you just said as well there, though, because putting yourself in the other person's shoes. If someone did say that to you, or if someone said that to me, what are your hopes and dreams for the future, or asked me a completely random question, I'd love it. I would yeah. absolutely eat it up. I don't think that's a phrase. <laughs> is it? Lap it up. Lap it. Up. <laughs> Lap and eat it. Because I just think it's such a interesting take, and it would get me thinking, and we could have a much more interesting conversation than if it's about the weather or work. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, you just latch onto those type of people in those scenarios. Yeah. Um, but we, um, we're talking about, or the theme is trying to be comfort zone. And, and I think just going to those events, you should be very like proud of yourself yeah. or one should be proud <clears> of themselves when, when they do go, because you're whatever it might be. There's so many different types of random events you can go to, aren't there, particularly at uni, and you just mm -hmm. throw yourself in there, and n more often than not, it's not often that someone goes, I really regret going to that debating society <laughs> because... Yeah. Because I didn't feel comfortable. And if you don't, if you didn't, then you don't have to go again, but usually you, you do fit in. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done anything that was scary and regret it. Like, I think every single thing, every decision I've made... That go that that kind of went against what my natural instinct is, which is to, you know, be comfortable. Um, I've always just been happy that I did it and really grateful, and I've grown from the experience. And so the key thing for you is just putting yourself in those scenarios. Yeah. Can you think of times where it went wrong or where you think, so oh, I many. wish I did better? <laughs> so <laughs> many. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think. A big one for me was, well, the first time that I did anything major was when I was 18 and I went to Nepal and I didn't really like, I hadn't done anything like that before. Um, and I ended up losing my bag in Heathrow Airport. Um, <laughs> I was like running through the airport, crying, like t uh, trying to get someone to help me find my bag. Like I, my flight was really delayed. I was so anxious that I didn't pee on either of the flights <laughs> and they were both, it took me like 30 plus hours to get there and I didn't go to the toilet once because I was oh so God. anxious. <laughs> I was like, that was, and I was drinking on the flights because you know how they give you free alcohol. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, because like long haul, they, they give you free alcohol. And then, yeah, I got there and I was absolutely terrified. I like the monkeys were trying to steal my stuff in the airport. I didn't know how to get to my accommodation. I remember um, getting there and just bursting into tears and like texting my mum and like I was walking down the street and people were just trying to grab my bags, grab my hand, like um, shouting at me to come and buy something and like it was absolute sensory overload. I was just regretting it so much. I can't even tell you. I was like, I, would, I just want to get on a flight back and um, 
How and long I remember, did that feeling last? So. Um, quite a long time. Like, because, <laughs> yeah, I remember getting to my uh, my hotel and texting my mum and I was like, I'm so scared, I don't know what to do. And she was like, all right, stop being a baby. Just go outside, put your stuff down, have a drink, go outside and just wander around the street that's by your hotel. Don't go anywhere that's going to, you know, it's too far, but just have a wander outside and just, like, get used to the sensory of it because <laughs> it's just it's completely different there's so much going on there's there's like monkeys everywhere there's people everywhere there's tuk-tuks and everything that you could think of is there um and yeah it did it did last quite a long time a few days i think but were you on your own for those days yeah um i was meeting friends in in a town that was like Basically, I was supposed to get a flight there, but um, so I stayed in that hotel that night in Kathmandu, and then the next day I was supposed to get a flight, but um, I waited in the airport all day, and they were cancelling flight after flight after flight, and mine just kept saying, like, undetermined, and then it got it started getting dark, and then they finally said it was cancelled, but by that time it was dark. Um, I was in Kathmandu with all my bags, like, <laughs> freaking out again. Um, I didn't have internet or anything on my phone, so I just panicked and called my mum and then yeah I ended up um getting a taxi for eight hours um all the way to Pokhara to meet my friends wow um but yeah the road to Pokhara is really dangerous so like buses kind of fall off the side all the time and there's just like you look down the side of the mountain and there's just like remnants of buses that have fallen down there and stuff and I remember falling asleep and then waking up and I could see like a red glow and the mountain, like the side of it was on fire. And then the guy just got out of the taxi and left me in there <laughs> <laughs> and he went somewhere else. And then, yeah, men just started like surrounding the taxi, like saying, oh, there's a there's a white woman in here. And it was like it was absolutely terrifying. Mm. I, and I got to my friends and I just cried for hours. But then it turned into an amazing experience. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine the relief of getting to your friends there <clears> and <throat> spending time with them and, and feeling at home almost. Yeah. It was incredible. I like... We we all... We were supposed to travel around Nepal, but then we just got... We just stayed in Pokhara for months and just kind of lived there with... We like made friends with local people and... It was just, I felt at home like like I've never felt before. There was a sense of, like, belonging. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to describe, but, yeah, I'd never felt so peaceful Yeah. as when I was there. And it's, I mean, so in a way, to getting out of your comfort zone, right, in a way it's kind of like you have to really experience, or not necessarily, but often you experience these real feelings of, of I want to go home, I'm terrified, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, get me out of here, why did I come? Mm-hmm. And on a kind of a smaller level, that happened to me with Uganda and Italy. Mm. Uh, not Morocco, interestingly, but the other two, I remember laying in bed on the first night, both on the first night, thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. um, why am I here? I just want to, I just want to go home. Uh, the very, very short-lived, not because of anything traumatic either, just, you're just thinking, why am I here? Um, and then both turned out to be some of the best experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like 
and my mum had the same thing. She went travelling uh, in her twenties for nine, uh, for six or nine months. First week, she wanted to come home on her own and and had all these uh, things that she didn't like, mm. but stayed put. So, in a sense, to really kind of get out your comfort zone, you almost have to experience some form of that. Where obviously not to your extent, because that I'm sure that was very traumatic and <laughs> terrifying. But but then in order to really feel like you've got out and you've experienced and then you have as you said the time where you never felt so comfortable Mm. when I was doing the life coaching sessions she was saying I want you to tell me about like an achievement and she was like with every achievement comes a struggle and that really stuck in my head because I feel like it's the times that were kind of difficult and the story behind it wasn't necessarily like plain sailing and there was kind of difficult moments when you come through that and then there's a positive experience it's often when you feel most proud of yourself and most you know I don't know I had a bad experience on the way to to that town in Nepal where unfortunately like there was some people that I don't know it was (laughs) like when I was in the car and then it wasn't even necessarily that people were being aggressive. It was just like, I wasn't used to the, the, the people there, the culture, the everything. It was just scary. But then after a while, the people that I met there, the, the local people in Nepal, were like the best, most welcoming, lovely people I'd ever, ever met in my life. And I couldn't... If I'd have just kind of given up at that moment and thought, no, nah, this is too much... I never would have had that experience afterwards where it felt it felt like a second home by the end of it. Um, yeah, so I think sometimes you just got to get through the struggle and then something good will come out at the end of it. And where do you think you'd be without some of these times where you've pushed yourself beyond a limit that you might have not thought that you could manage mm. and then obviously come out the other side and achieved a lot more. Where do you think you'd be without having to push yourselves? Like, let's say, for example, if you did go home on Mm. that first day, you arrive straight back home. How would that have kind of changed your life or approach to it? Um, I think I wouldn't be the same person. I would... I think I'd be a lot less, like... (laughs) um, I just wouldn't have the stories that I have. I wouldn't have the... I think that all of those moments were like growth moments because there's a level of feeling like imposter syndrome. You know when you go and do these things and you're like, this, I don't know, this feels crazy. It's not like (laughs) what I do. Um, But I think with that feeling comes like growth and it's given me a level of empathy and understanding of the world that I never would... I wouldn't have if I hadn't done it. And, yeah, that first experience in Nepal gave me um, a passion for the world that I'd never, I hadn't had before that. I was quite... I felt a bit hopeless before I went to Nepal um, because of the experience that I'd had it in education and, like, um, the years before being pretty difficult, struggling a lot, Um that experience made me feel like, I don't know, there's hope. (laughs) It gave me just so much hope um, and inspiration. And to to kind of experience a different way of life 
that is so different to my own, but yet felt so comfortable for me and felt so like natural. Um, just kind of, it made me realize I didn't need very much and all the things that the society here, this sounds so, <laughs> but all the things like that society here kind of pushes, pushed on to me. Like when I was in doing my A-levels and they were like, what are you going to do if you don't go to uni? Like they were really trying to push it on me, even though I failed my A-levels, I couldn't have gone anyway, but they were just saying, what are you going to do? There's no option. If you don't do that, you know, it's just, you have to, it's kind of like a wheel. You have to take the boxes and, and do the right thing and do, do what everyone's telling you to do. But that didn't feel right for me. And yeah, I just feel like if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have taken that leap and just thought, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. It's not right for me. I'm just going to go to Nepal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, w- I just, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd even be at uni if I hadn't have done that. Yeah. So, yeah. I resonate with a lot of what you're saying, definitely. Very mm. well put. Because it's, yeah, it's just that experience. There's so many different aspects of why it's important. Um, we spoke about this before. I think Uganda's probably one of the biggest factors of who I am right now. Even though it was only a 10-week placement, I just think I came back a different person. I learned a lot. Um, about different things and and you're right if you do see different cultures and different ways of living it does change your own or make you reflect on your own Mm -hmm. uh, make you question some of the traditions or values that we've got here and the pressures of modern society Um, so I guess my question would be what and I think you probably touched on on most of them but what about the experience kind of made made the big changes in your life other than just seeing a different way of living for example Mm. What what else about that uh, an experience of of living abroad, working abroad, and and being in that community? I think my personal circumstances. What like I was suffering with PTSD um, from when I was like fourteen to um, well, I mean it doesn't really just go away, but in in the period of doing my A levels, it was quite intense, and I was. Um, coping with it in ways that weren't necessarily (laughs) good for my health at all or my education um and so I think when I took that leap of just thinking okay I need to completely change my circumstances I need to get out of this place that is ruining me you know like my I was living in a small town around people who were kind of self-destructing as well so I think that for me to I think I knew instinctively that I needed to completely take myself out of that situation and just be like okay this is a new start I need to do something kind of radically different otherwise my life could end up pretty dark so it just changed my 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 perspective on everything um it just it changed my my life sure cliche (laughs) (laughs) it is such a cliche and i (laughs) i hate talking about it sometimes because it makes you you know like oh western society's crap and all these you know but it really did feel that way for me it was just like it it opened my mind and my life to this this wholesome obviously there's a lot of poverty in nepal like you can't ignore that like i'm 
so fortunate and so lucky to have, you know, all the basic things that I need in, in my life. And I had, I'd worked since I was 13. I had money to do those things and to go there. And I had options um, to do that. But I feel like what inspired me the most about it was um, seeing people who had a lot less than the people that surrounded me in my normal life but they were so grateful and happy and, and welcoming and generous and kind and in a way that I hadn't really seen necessarily in my life um, in the West. It was very destructive and people were unhappy. They were struggling. Um, not all of them, obviously, but, you know, because of my circumstances I guess I, I probably was around people who were self-destructive as well so to see people who would you'd think had you know less um in a sense of like money and and belongings and stuff but it, but they just were very happy and I think it's yeah I completely agree with you and I think it's unusual that we have quite a lot of people that maybe are struggling here, particularly younger people that do go away or have an experience that's outside of the UK and it does change their mind on quite a few things. Um, mm. I think as you've talked about with Western life, obviously we've got a lot of things right in terms of how we live and 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 I think that's great, but there obviously are some key issues that really come to fruition when you do go and see how other cultures live and you might see... I mean, you've talked about community quite a few times. I mm -hmm. think that's quite an important one. Um, in Uganda, the, it was very traditional for all the kind of families to live in in the same house or the same area. Yeah. Um, so you constantly, it's a generational thing. It's yeah. a very tight-knit communities. Um, it's obviously, generally speaking, a lot of... Um, everyone kind of... I can't remember the word for it, but everyone kind of does things together or everyone helps each other. Um and I think we've become quite individualized and quite mm -hmm. selfish in a lot of Western society. And it's not an, in, not an individual's fault. I just think it's the way that we're set up. So I think we can become quite isolated and, and lonely and struggle to, to, to reach out. Um, and we've, we, I mean, we'll speak about this in another episode, but the connection to nature, mm -hmm. the fact that we're so, so built up and <clears throat> again, going to places that I've been and you've been, you, you do get, a sense of kind of more of a connection with nature and animals and, and what it might be. So there seem there does seem to be a theme with people who are younger people who are struggling here, whether it might be something in the family or an addiction or whatever it might be, and they do go away. Um, and it might just be because they need a change. It, it might, mm -hmm. you know, it, they could have gone anywhere, but just taking yourself out of kind of a destructive environment that you've been in for so long, wherever it might be, does give you kind of that impetus to make a change as well. Yeah. So I'd say it's probably those two reasons combined that, like me and you, have have had quite a uh, an experience that's changed our lives. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that how similar our stories are in a way of like struggling with addictions or mental health, a combination of both, and then doing something that is very, very, very different to our normal lives and it, and it kind of like spurring a, a huge change in both of us and 
yeah, I think it's quite could potentially be quite inspiring for people who are feeling the same or um yeah maybe even thinking of making application for something particularly mm-hmm. something that's abroad and and umming and ring just yeah. thinking just go and do it yeah we've talked a lot about comfort zone in a physical sense so the idea of maybe leaving a place and experience something else elsewhere are there are there other ways that you feel that you could one can kind of leave their comfort zone or that you felt that you've challenged yourself and and for the better I guess with like trying to be more mindful (laughs) and I don't know with like it sounds silly but (laughs) exercising and exercising mentally as well like with because I've noticed with me I because of my like struggling with mental health then uh, that comes up with like dissociation and so and that's a very comfortable place for somebody to be when they struggle with like PTSD or or whatever the dissociation kind of helps um, mitigate the impacts of PTSD or, or whatever it is um, and I think I've been challenging myself to really come back down to <laughs> the moment and like being present and I feel like even if you don't struggle with your mental health, people struggle to be present. And, like, it's a huge problem in society of just kind of, like, getting things done, like, I don't know, doing doing your nine-to-five job and then not really, like, being present in the moment. And I feel like that's something that I've been trying to learn to do, but it's uncomfortable to, to learn how to do. And it's difficult to learn how to do as well. Um, Like, doing meditation, being mindful um visualizing things journaling all of those things it's uncomfortable and it's not easy to to make a a new habit so I think in that way and then with exercising as well it's just everyone is I don't know obviously some people have a routine of exercising but for me that's another one that's really hard to implement and yeah it just um it feels uncomfortable to do it. So those are two, I guess. That's really good. Yeah, and it's such a gradual process, isn't it, of doing mm. those things. Definitely take on board like the, the mindful and meditation thing that you mentioned. I think being mindful and even being aware a lot of the time, I've definitely improved at that over mm. the last few months, I'd say, where you're just kind of aware of things. So sometimes I just think, oh, I'm aware that I'm slouching slightly. So I just kind of kind of sit up a a bit straighter or I'm aware that I'm frowning or or you kind of awareness can be a lot more than that I guess but Mm -hmm. even just noticing like someone else's facial expression or or what it might be Um, and I think that helps you talk about yeah getting out your comfort zone funnily enough I think that we've grown up as a generation where we are very comfortable with things like let's look at our relationship with technology we're also comfortable now with walking uh, with music and podcasts in and it's mm. actually you have to almost go out your comfort zone to walk without that um, yeah. I'm not speaking for everyone there but I know a lot of people we sometimes go oh, I haven't got my headphones or something and, it, and it's a bit of a pain that they just kind of walk um, yeah so it's about kind of unlearning and, and yeah getting ourselves out of that comfort zone being that we've grown up with all this technology whether it be even me trying to unlearn to actually go to sleep without 
audio stimulation like podcasts and music you know why do i need that so uh, yeah. those little things as well with our relationship with technology is trying to get out of that as well yeah because i think especially with the reels and like our attention span becoming so small um due to partly due to technology but like i think that's another reason that it's really important to practice being present and i don't know because that i've noticed my attention span getting smaller and being able to do less work and all of those things and practicing mindfulness and being being present again is like helped me a lot with my concentration and everything so it's important but it's difficult and finally to how much would you to i mean to what extent would you encourage someone to get out of their comfort zone that's a very broad question but (laughs) i I guess there are many ways that that one can do that and i'm sure that a lot of i i think in my life a lot of people are a lot of people are making a a conscious effort to to go to that quiz or or the squash game or mm-hmm. to go to this gig or this interview or a date just whatever it might be they're kind of really aware of maybe the con- negative consequences of not putting yourself into that situation because if you don't do that you might not do that mm-hmm. um so i think a lot of people are but to what extent would you encourage it and and do you have any advice um, for that as well yeah i guess i think it's the most important thing to do it's like the single most important thing to do in your life is to be seeking those moments where you feel like an imposter and like I don't know any opportunity that comes your way that you feel like oh that's a bit scary but it might be fun or yeah just do it absolutely like 100% I think uni has given us so many opportunities and I have really really benefited from applying to everything doing everything, um, everything that I I can on top of work and stuff. But yeah, I think it's just so important. And you know, like it's a growth moment, isn't it? Every time you do it, even the small things, and also just to recognize that it is not easy and other people are gonna be finding it difficult, especially at the events. Most people feel a bit anxious, you know, I know I did. I think you did a bit um, at that event we both went to. So you're not going to be alone in your feelings. And I just, yeah, just push yourself. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. <laughs> and also when you do that as well, you, you know, if you go to do things like Columbia or, or what it might be, whatever it might be, mm. then you just think the next time, I know it might be a few years later. So sometimes I may, might get anxious about, going to a society. I remember getting a bit anxious about going to debating society and I was speaking with someone and they said, well, you, you went to Uganda on your own. I know. So that's <laughs> it's a bit easier. <laughs> yeah. So I think you have to, the more you kind of build up and kind of think of it as a bar, the more, more you build up that bar in terms of the extremities or the difficulties of the challenge that you're undertaking, then, then the better yeah. equipped you're going to be to handle any kind of anxieties that you might have because you could just compare it to what you've done before. Yeah. and think well I've done that I can do this I do think that but I also feel like it's sometimes when I'm anxious I feel like it'd be easier to get on a flight <laughs> to Colombia than it would be to <laughs> attend that event yeah. I don't know why it's just like it's just a 
it's irrational. Well, you've done it before. Yeah, I've done it before. That is true. <laughs> and it's, I mean, a lot of these anxieties don't always make sense either. No. You know, you try and rationalise them and it, it, it's quite difficult to do that. Yeah, but I just think in the end it's always okay. Until it's not. Maybe <laughs> maybe one day Brilliant. it won't be. But... What, what, what a way to end it. <laughs> yeah. In the end it's always okay until it's not <laughs> and you're fucked. <laughs> no, it's always okay. A lovely... Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for your debut episode, Kate. I really appreciate you coming on and I hope we can have more conversations about reconnection with the environment, life as a mature student and much more. Yeah, thank you, Alex.